0: and we are live welcome to the mlb strategy show it is monday september 26th i am josh engelman i'm joined by greg Ehrenberg. we are brought to you by prize picks and we've got a monster four game slate ahead of us just tons to break down over the next hour glad some of you are joining us this morning hit that like button when you get in because we're gonna need it Subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Greg, how are you? How was your weekend?
2: Uh, so the, the weekend was pretty solid. Just been hanging out with uh, with family for the most part as of late. So that's that's been nice, just hanging out with everybody. I watched House of the Dragon last night, which is by far the highlight of my weekend. I love that show. Did you, okay. did you watch it last so, night? So I did not see Last Nights yet. I also have not
0: seen Last Sundays yet. Uh, not for lack of trying. My family was came into town Monday morning, couldn't see it Sunday, had no opportunity to see it. So tonight
2: I'm catching up on both going back to back. Very excited. So last week when it happened, I thought that was the best episode so far. And then this week happened. I was like, no, that's the best episode so far. So these have been the two best episodes. And it's, it's one of my favorite shows now. It rules. So I just I couldn't believe that last night People are talking about that horrendous Sunday night football game and complaining about how Mm. bad it is when there's other stuff to watch on TV. Like I'm watching, here's what I was doing. I had, because I still had DFS lineups. So I'm watching House of the Dragon, and then I've just got the, the play-by-play going on my iPad with whatever's happening in the game. And it's very apparent the game sucks. It's just three and out, punt, three and out, punt, three and out, yeah. punt. And everybody's complaining about how bad it is. Like, oh, change the channel. Put something yeah. else on. Like, But but for some reason, that's become part of the culture of the primetime football games is they generally, most of them suck, and people enjoy complaining about them on social media. It's kind of the the, the biggest entertainment of the game that people get out. A lot of them is complaining about how bad it is. Uh, but and then today's football game is Cowboys Giants, which is going to be more of the same. But the baseball slate, on the other hand, is a banger of a four game slate. You mean to tell me that people like
0: sitting on the Internet and complaining about what's going on in their lives without doing anything to change it? I, I
2: can't believe that at all. Uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. But I also think it's part of the it's part of the the culture now and especially social media stuff where it's. You have to be unhappy to be happy. Like that's yeah. that's like that's like a big activity is doing something you don't enjoy complaining about it. It's 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 part of the culture now. Um, I did catch up. So I had same story
0: for me for House of the Dragons as it was for Rick and Morty missed last Sunday's did catch last Sunday's Rick and Morty last night. That was the only thing that I was able to do before I fell asleep. So
2: slowly but surely catching up on my TV uh, now that no one else is in my house, which is there nice. There you go. So I haven't. I've, I'm not. I've watched a few episodes of Rick and Morty. I like it, but I haven't watched all of it. My brothers both watch it.
0: Okay, I've very much enjoyed this season. Um, the episode that I caught last night had a very interesting premise that I, I won't talk about, but was a really good time. Um, liked the idea of it. Made me think. And then I didn't watch any. Of the, it should be an interesting. Uh, so I've got the NFL recap show coming up after this with Adam. I did not watch any bit of. Uh, the one o'clock games or anything yesterday. I went to see Avatar. Oh, how was was that? It was good. We got re-released starting this weekend and everything. So we did the IMAX 3D of Avatar yesterday. Great, great entertainment. They showed a little clip of the new one. It looked bonkers from a detail perspective in HD and 3D and IMAX and all that other good stuff that I don't know what any of it means, but... Entertaining. Uh, I
2: liked it. I, I never saw it back in the day. So oh, this was so,
0: very uh, entertaining so, for me.
2: So so when it comes to when it comes to Avatar, because this was my, and uh, I watched this, I think I was, what was I, a sophomore in college or something or junior in college when it came out. It came out, you know, a meaningful amount of time ago. Yeah. And I remember watching the movie and being like, oh, it's really cool from an effect standpoint because it was so far ahead of its time in terms of, you know, stuff that you were seeing in movies that is somewhat more commonplace now. Although the the effects and everything still tremendous even by today's standards, but I never really thought the movie was was particularly good. It was just like the visual effects were really stunning about it. The uh-huh. fact that they're planning on like an Avatar 2 an Avatar 3 and Avatar 4. I'm interested to see what they do from an effects standpoint. Do you care about the story or anything at all? So
0: I do. And that's what's really interesting. It was the first thing that I said when I walked out of the theater last night. I don't think I would have appreciated that story as much 13 years ago as I do now. And like the concept of like having this avatar of your own self that you are operating and who are you like, like what becomes reality. It was much more like stoner thought process than I would have been capable of uh, like 13 years ago. So I actually did like the story more than I was expecting. I don't think that I would have had that same sort of thought process, you know, in my mid twenties when it came out originally. Now you can see sort of like the, the inherent
2: struggle of it all. I liked it. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to. So here's part of the thing is like, there's a part of me, it's like, maybe I need to rewatch it because so much time has passed. But the same time too, I mean, like you said, it's been re-released now. It's definitely a movie that wouldn't have the same effects if you're just watching it at home in the couch. It's it's definitely something that has to be a movie type going experience. Maybe I'll do that, especially because I could not be more bored now. I'm not allowed to smoke weed anymore per my doctor's orders. And I didn't realize how much entertainment that had been bringing me lately.
0: Oh, God. Well, I'll smoke a little bit more for you in the future uh, just to make that a little bit easier. But yeah, like uh, America is like dog shit in Avatar. Like they're exactly what we think our country is just, you know, trying to go pillage other places. And while it's not oil in Avatar, it's basically oil in Avatar that we're just trying to go yank out of some people like who've had it forever. So it felt pretty fitting. You know, like I I saw it, we looked like the, we looked like the, uh, the heel in the movie. So I was team avatar by the end, I guess. It's a good time. Do you think I had no idea what, I had no idea what the movie was even about when I went in there. I had no idea that like it was an avatar concept. I thought these was just like a straight up different group. I had no idea. Didn't know what I was getting myself into at
2: all. So uh true when I went to go see it uh, like way, way back in the day when I was in college, I thought it was related to Avatar, like the cartoon that I watched as a kid. You know, and I have a t-shirt like Avatar the Last Airbender. Cause yeah. also I went to go see it the first time. I had no clue. What it was. I was like, oh, this is Avatar, like, and and he's gonna learn the different elements. And that is not <laughs> what the movie was at all. No. Yeah, I had no concept. Uh, but it was nice. It was a good time. And
0: you know, it's more comfortable to go see a movie nowadays, more comfortable seating. Uh, 3D glasses were a real pile of dog shit though hurt my face legitimately
2: yeah they don't that, that's something that they've never really mastered there was remember when 3d tvs came out and that was a big deal and people were like no you don't understand that the salesman would tell you this at best Buy, or whatever this is what everybody's going to be doing you're going to be wearing those stupid plastic glasses with yeah, the different man. colors on it that was the thing they tried to sell us on is that everybody was just going to have a set of those glasses at home it, it never took off no, that's gonna, they're
0: going to become VR gosses in the near future. Because so I was just thinking about how great Avatar was, and I was like, oh, I can't imagine what this is going to be like when it's, you know, me just standing in the middle of the jungle with
2: these goggles on. So, should we talk hey, baseball? But, yeah, we could. I, I just want to address one thing. Because this uh, if, if you like football this much, Killipode00 said, I actually kind of like last night's football game. Defensive struggles can be entertaining. Last night wasn't defensive struggle. It was just bad offense, from what I caught of it. Like it wasn't. It wasn't like there was some high level defense going on. It was just Russell Wilson is washed, Jimmy G sucked, and there was horrendous fumbles, interceptions. It wasn't like it was a well played game. I, I do think that there could be, like in baseball, there could be good pitching games, football, there could be good defensive games. Last night was just bad, uh, bad sporting event. I didn't watch it, but I assume it was terrible. Yeah. Anybody who could watch that and just really enjoy. That, I mean, I wish I could get on your level of just being that entertained by sports on TV. Yeah,
0: Sean's got it. The punts being downed at the one were entertaining. <laughs> that should not be the peak of it all.
2: <laughs> no, if if the player of the game is the punter, it's probably no good. There was, I don't know, I think there was, what, 17 punts or something like that in the game. It was absurd. I don't
0: even know who won.
2: The uh, the Broncos won, which I know because I did have a bet on them. Oh, that'll work, I guess. Well,
0: <laughs> well for the fifty. Well, 50- Fifty-seven of you that are hanging out here, uh, let's talk some baseball. Pirates and Reds kicking this one off. Lock tonight, 6.35 Eastern time. 4.3 run implied total for the Pirates, 3.7 for the Reds. Ronzi, Contreras, and Chase Anderson. And you can tell this is a, uh, a short slate because even Chase Anderson at 6,300 is pulling 20% ownership, and he's really not good at pitching. Uh, Contreras, 42% owned at 7,500. Let's start with Contreras at that 42% ownership mark. That's basically what I got out of my crunch. I have 45% Contreras on my first run. So
2: I think he's properly owned in what's obviously a good spot against Cincinnati. 44% for me in the run that I did. So, you know, it's a weird pitching slate where look, it's like, oh, like, why is Bryce Elder chalk on tonight's slate on both DraftKings and FanDuel? I know we're not talking about this now, but it's just the general... General overall look at the slate. Bryce Elder is $8,900 on FanDuel, a single pitcher site, and is 25% owned. That's how that's how crappy the options are overall pitching today. Yeah. As far as Contreras goes, I think points per dollar, he's the best pitching play on the slate just from a value perspective, uh, especially on DK at the $7,500 price tag. Because he is such a talented pitcher, he came into the year as one of the top overall pitching prospects. He has a great matchup against the Reds. The results have been you know all over the place. But the strikeouts are clearly there. His last start came against the Yankees, right? We know the Yankees, one of the best offense in baseball. Four and two-thirds innings, 10 strikeouts, six runs allowed by Ramsey Contreras. That's a lot of shit going on in any one start. Like, he doesn't make it through five innings, but still strikes out 10 hitters, gives up six runs in a really tough matchup against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. So the upside is apparent here. So I think as far as pitchers go, like, he's somebody that we really want to be focused on just because the pitching options aren't great. He's relatively cheap, and there, there's clear upside in a good matchup. What happened to my microphone? It, it, all of a sudden, you sounded like a robot, and then it went back to normal. But it was, it was for like 30 seconds. And it was – not 30 seconds, but like for, for like 5 to 10 seconds. And it was really tripping me out. I was like, yeah, it, it, the, the noise that Mike just made. But especially me as being – Somebody who's not like I said. I'm not allowed to smoke weed anymore. I listened to that. I was like, "Oh, look, we're back!" Like I thought it was one of those things where it's, <laughs> it's the old the old the acid thing. It's like you take it and then it comes back ten years later. You get the you get two for the price of one. I, I thought that it was coming back there, but it was just your mic.
0: Okay. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't hear it, so I had no idea. And then I saw chat uh, reacting. What do we do on the opposite side? I, I, I'm with you on Contreras. Like, I, I think he is the best point per dollar play. I like him at 7,500. I think the ownership that he's getting is completely warranted. I actually had him slightly higher in my top pitcher tool than we do, but like 37% to 31% is still sort of giving the same sort of answer. And I kind of have the same sort of thoughts on Chase Anderson. Now, I'm not getting to Anderson the same way that I'm getting to Contreras. Uh, he, we have him projected for 20% ownership. I only got to 9 but I have the same sort of top pitcher odds right around 20%, right around 30 to be the top uh, top two value on DraftKings. I just think he sucks. So uh, I'm not getting as much Chase Anderson. What
2: do you think you're going to do here? So it's twofold. And I'm on the same page as you. The end result is going to be the same here where it's he's he's not good. I don't want to play him because he's. it's not just also that he hasn't been good this year. He's 34 years old. It's not like this is some prospect who's all of a sudden going to improve. His ERA is the last three years, this year 5.21, the year before 6.75, then 2020 7.22. He's pitched on four different teams in the last four years. It's because everybody gives this guy a few starts like, oh, we don't want anything to do with him. But the other thing too, when it comes to Chase Anderson is if this was a bigger slate, the main reason to play would be for salary savings. I just don't think it's necessary on a four game slate. Like even looking through my crunches with some of the lineups that have Chase Anderson, it's just a ton of salary left on the table. So i I just don't think it's a necessary pay down when it's just not that hard to go a little bit more expensive on DK and get to Roundsy Contreras. And then on FanDuel, it's just largely unnecessary. We only have to roster one pitcher. Yeah,
0: we'll talk to we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh, instead of going to Anderson, I'm just going to Connor Siebold. So we'll, uh, we'll start digging in there because that, I'm sure we'll have plenty of fun <laughs> stuff to talk about. Let's talk bats now. I guess we'll go to the Pirates who are... Here's the interesting thing about ranks in comparison to actual numbers. The Pirates are the fourth ranked team in terms of ownership, whereas the Reds are fifth. And you're thinking, oh, well, those two things are close to each other. The Pirates are pulling 13% aggregate ownership at fourth. The Reds are pulling seven at fifth. So basically double the amount of ownership, close to double the amount of ownership for the Pirates. Only one spot separating in rank. So the Pirates are significantly chalkier than Cincinnati, but still only fourth. They are fourth in top stack as well. The number one value team you can get to. I am getting to Pittsburgh. I like this spot mostly because I hate Chase Anderson. So what are you doing with the Pirates today?
2: Sure. So in the build that I did, I ended up getting to, uh guys' one-offs, like Rodolfo Castro came up in a bunch of lineups. Uh, O'Neal Cruz is one of my most rostered shortstops. In the outfield, if he starts, Jake Sawinski is a lot of power upside. So as one-offs, I think a lot of these guys have merits. But now as a five-man stack, I'm not going to be making as many five-man stacks as the field is, at least per these current ownership, because it is still one of the more over-owned stacks on the slate. So as one-offs, yeah, I like these guys, but five-man stacks, I'd rather pay up for the Braves. There's other teams I'd rather be getting to. And the five-man stacks, I do think, look a little bit overrepresented right now. But it doesn't mean I'm not getting my share of, of the Pirates guys. I just listed off the three I'm getting to most regularly as one-offs and they are players I'm overweight to the field to, but it's still mostly as secondary stacks one-offs than full five man stacks. So I'm basically getting
0: only three of the eight teams as a five man stack and the Pirates are one of those three. So I I kind of aggressively have the Pirates. No, well, maybe maybe aggressively isn't the right word, but I have a lot of the Pirates uh 20 I lost my sheet of my five-man stacks are going to the Pirates right now. So it's about 2x the field in terms of ownership. The most I have of any individual hitter is uh, potentially Bay, (laughs) who I have hitting leadoff $2,300 second baseman, uh, I believe would be making his debut. We'll see if that's the case and actually in this lineup because we do not have Bay in the ownership right now. And then we get the Reds on the opposite side here, fifth and top stack, the second best value stack, uh, owned quite a bit less than the Pirates, but not a team that I'm getting to all that much. I'd rather have Contreras. I think Contreras is good. I don't think the Reds are good. This seems like a spot that I
2: could largely stay away, although I do love the flexibility of Cincinnati's offense. I like them just for leverage purposes. So honestly, I'm probably going to end up building lineups for this slate anyway, because I I just don't have anything better to do with my time. So I'm looking at this. And the reason that I think I'm going to end up getting to the Reds and be overweight to the field to them is solely because of the ownership on Roundsy Contreras. Like, I love getting to Contreras. I like the Reds too. I think it's a spot that warrants having a lot of exposure to on both sides, because just reiterating what I talked about with Contreras before and some of his recent results, He's really high variance. His last start, just to go over these numbers, if somebody just came in now or didn't remember what I said a couple minutes ago, his last start, he pitched four and two-thirds innings. He had 10 strikeouts and allowed six runs. That, that, That just indicates there's so much upside to me in both sides of this game. And then when you consider this is a small slate, the Reds aren't picking up ownership relative to the size of the slate, and Contreras is so popular. These are the kind of spots that I really do like on small slates. It's attacking highly owned pitchers that are not elite starters. This is where I think some of the best leverage is to be found on small three, four or five game baseball slates. So I'm going to get to the reds and it's really not for any, like I'm never going to mention the reds is the reason I'm getting to the reds here. It's because mm-hmm. of Contreras, his really high variance and his ownership. It is nothing to do with Cincinnati as a team at uh, themselves. Yeah. I think that's pretty reasonable.
0: Uh, from a cash perspective, I actually didn't run a crunch, but I guess I can do that right now. Quickly. Uh, I'm guessing we could see a couple pieces from Pittsburgh sneaking into regular cash builds.
2: Yeah, uh, Rodolfo oh, Let me let me actually do. This. I, I think Rodolfo Castro would def- would be a consideration for me. Although, let's see. Contra-
0: Contreras this? is showing up in basically everything, okay. which I don't think will be all that surprising to anyone.
2: Yeah, so Rodolfo Castro would be because uh, he's second and third base eligibility on DK. Yeah. So I think Austin Riley is the pretty clear third base option, but Castro would probably be the guy at second base for me.
0: So if uh, Jiwon Bay ends up starting for the Pirates and hitting leadoff, he's boxing out Castro for me because he's Back. a $2,300 second baseman. So Bay is showing up in 96% of my crunch. Sawinski got to 19%. Most of this is going to be a couple Orioles and a couple Red Sox who we'll get to in a bit. Anything else you want to touch
2: on, Pirates or... I already forgot who they're playing Reds. Yeah. (laughs) So just the, uh, the point you made on that totally makes sense. He's batting lead off. I was running my lineups based on our projections, the lineups we have right now, which doesn't have him in. So yeah, that would definitely look different for me if he's indeed in there and leading off.
0: Yeah. Pay attention to MLB live before lock, where we'll have a lot more of this information schedule for the rest of the day. Lots, lots of shows today. So coming up after this at 11 AM NFL strategy show recap edition, myself, I'll be on that one, covering for Eric, me, and Adam, just breaking down everything that happened yesterday for the NFL. We've got the No House Advantage Monday Night Football Show at 2. We've got MLB Live Before Lock at 4 p.m., the NFL Showdown Deeper Dive Show at 5.15, and then the NFL Showdown Live Before Lock Show at 6.15 Eastern. We also have free projections for you today for baseball, so if you're watching this show and For the 90 of you that actually are right now, uh, you can get free projections at stochastic.com for today. Nats and Braves, 3.4 run implied total for the Nats, 5.2 for the Braves. Corey Abbott and Bryce Elder. Abbott, 10% owned at 5,500 here. Don't think he's going to be going deep enough into the game for him to matter. That's kind of why I like Connor Seabold more. Bryce Elder, on the other hand, 8,400 Projected for 38% ownership right now, which I see is perfectly warranted. Uh, our top pitcher tool had him at 31% to be a top two pitcher. I had it at 33%, so I have no qualms whatsoever. I think Bryce Elder looks pretty good here. Not really a strikeout master, but don't really need that on a four-game slate. You just kind of need innings, and he should bring them to you.
2: Yeah, and it's it's the matchup as well. So pitching against the Nationals, who've just been really miserable on offense since trading with Juan Soto and Josh Bell at the trade deadline. Not that the Padres' offense has been a juggernaut as of late either, but Nationals' offense, particularly terrible since making that trade. So Bryce Elder, this is a slate, too, where I just don't really think we're going to need massive amounts of fantasy points from our pitchers. Don't be surprised if somebody puts up 11, 12 fantasy points on DK and lands in an optimal lineup. So Bryce Elder today. $8,900 on FanDuel, picking up 25% ownership. Elder over on DK, 8400 projected for 38% ownership. I'm actually overweight to him on both sites in the current build I made, which goes to show how weak the pitching options are today because uh, looking at my overall ownership to pitchers, this is the guy who, relative to his ownership, I am most overweight to right now. It's not because, like you said before, I'm not expecting to go out and strike out eight, nine hitters or anything like that. He brings the security that I think a lot of the other pitchers don't bring. Contreras probably has more upside than Bryce Elder, but Elder I do think is fairly likely to pick up the win bonus in this spot. He is a good enough matchup. If he could go, you know, six innings, two runs, three strikeouts or something like that, that could be good enough to land in an optimal lineup. And it's just points that we're getting in our lineup, I think somewhat safely that we probably aren't getting elsewhere. So uh, Elder did end up making into a lot of my lineups.
0: Remember like two minutes ago when I gave everybody the schedule and I said all the times of when shows would be? Well, ignore everything that I said. Luckily, nobody's actually listening to this one (laughs) today. Uh, MLB Live Before Lock is going to be from 5.30 to 6.30. The NFL Deeper Dive will be from 6.30 to 7.30. And then NFL Showdown Live Before Lock from 7.30 up until whenever NFL Lock actually is. We had some times messed up on the back end because of that doubleheader from last week. So uh, everything that I said the first time was wrong. Only trust the things that just came out of my mouth.
2: Yeah, there we go.
0: Yeah, I knew it looked weird to me, but I was just like, I don't know what the NFL schedule looks like today, so it's fine. <laughs> it, do you have any interest in Corey Abbott? I just I gave him three no. and two thirds innings. I just don't think he's going deep enough here, and it's the Braves on the opposite side.
2: Yeah, so there's a lot working against Corey Abbott here. He's bad. He has a tough matchup against the Braves. Washington, fairly hitter friendly park, and then also like you said, probably isn't going all that deep into the game. So. Uh, Not only do I not like Corey Abbott, the Braves are the team I get to the most as a stack by a mile on this slate. I think the Braves are the team to get to on both DraftKings and FanDuel. We have them with a 27% chance to be the top scoring team on both both sites. Uh, They are a little more popular on FanDuel right now than DK, but not anything that's problematic relative to their top stack odds. So, I mean, I ended up with the Braves just in an overwhelming amount of lineups in my first run, which I don't really have any issue with. Okay. Well, let's talk bats here.
1: plus we'll
0: start it off with atlanta because they are the number one stack in our top stack metric they were number one in mine, sixth in value sixth in mine number one in ownership at 22 percent and i am still getting to them because of Corey abbott and because of this implied run total for atlanta they are 26 percent of my exposure 33 percent of my five-man stacks are going to the atlanta braves at this particular moment i think they look fantastic
2: yeah, we just need to see if Acuna is going to be in the lineup. I suspect he will be. He didn't start yesterday. He was dealing with a back injury, but he did pinch hit and ended up getting in two at-bats. He walked and had an RBI single. So considering that not only did he play, but he stuck in the game after pinch hitting, I think it's pretty likely that we're going to see him end up starting today. If that's the case. He's a great option. So in terms of hitters, I'm overweight to here. Acuna, Riley, Matt Olson, I'm somewhere around the field. Darneau is a catcher. Swanson also somewhere kind of around the field I was overweight to Michael Harris really across the board I'm either overweight or even with the field to every single hitter in the Braves lineup right now this is my number one team to get to it's a team I have the most exposure to and I don't really see any negatives about them
0: I might have to actually pay attention to this slate later on because I'm going to get a ton of Braves and while I don't normally get a lot of Atlanta it feels like I should try to cheer for my favorite team at least a little bit this year
2: yeah, and if there was a spot to do it, uh, this seems to be one. We'll, we'll see what the ownership looks like later. There is, if this is a team that by the time we get to lock, ends up coming in, you know, like 30% owned or anything, then it would make me feel different about them. Right now where they're projected for 22% ownership, yeah, I'll just load up on them because the Red Sox, the Orioles, these are all teamed with comparable ownership, and that shouldn't be the case. Uh, I did get Acuna in 90% of lineup. So if he
0: is in and hitting first, uh, I do like him from a cash perspective. The ownership will certainly be there. Uh, Eddie Rosario showed up in a bunch for me as well. Um, Let's then talk a little bit about the Nats, I guess. Eighth in top stack. That's dead last for the day. Uh, Third in value um, is something. Seventh in ownership at 6%. That seems about right. Like, I, I don't see them as any sort of priority. I don't like them in this spot all that much. I don't think they're very good. I don't have much, but I am basically neutral to the field.
2: Well, they make more is on FanDuel because uh, they're only projected for 3% ownership on FanDuel, which does make a pretty big difference when a team is 3% versus 6% on a four-game slate. So for DraftKings purposes, if you guys are just playing a few lineups, ignore the Nationals. There's no reason to consider them over the course of 150 lineups look about appropriately owned fanduel I don't think they're bad leverage Bryce Elder's the second most popular pitcher on the fanduel slate and as such we've got the Nationals coming in really low owned lowest ownership on the fanduel slate by a pretty decent margin there so at 3% ownership they warrant consideration on fanduel but there's not really a whole lot to talk about here yeah I don't I really wouldn't know where to go if I wanted to
0: <laughs> it's, it's really ugly I do know where to go, though, at, at this moment, and that is to Picks, presenting sponsor of this show. Click the link in the description of the video, head on over to PrizePix, make a deposit. They will match that deposit with up to $100. So if you don't have $100, that's okay. If you got like $3,750, they'll match with $3,750. They're going to get you there however you need to. Not as many sports on here as there normally are, but I do see a little bit of highlight that you can get yourself involved in. Tennis, soccer, obviously baseball, college football, NFL. It's all out there. You're picking player props. You don't need an optimizer or anything. You pick five on one parlay card, you'll get up to 10x your entry fee. I'm going to hit Greg here with one or two props for pitcher fantasy scores. We're going to start it off in that first game. We'll go to Ronzi Contreras over under 28 and a half fantasy points.
2: Uh, all right. I thought you were going to ask me a CS go question. So I have that all loaded up to go. So I have to close that and go over to uh Contreras and that's 28 and a half for if I had to take a side, it's going to be an over just because of the strikeout upside. And yeah, yeah I, I'm going to, I'm going to actually side with the over here. I was going to say it's a, it's a somewhat efficient number, which I do think it is, but, but I do lean towards the over there. So I'll, I'll go over.
0: I got him at 28.7, so that's probably one I would just immediately stay away from. Um, How about on the opposite side here? Chase Anderson, over under 21 and a half. Not even good enough to have an actual uh, picture on prize picks.
2: So everything I want to say in under for him, but that's such a low mark that there's so little wiggle room that I'd have to stay away from it. It's also a matchup against the Pirates. who don't have a great offense.
0: Yeah, I got him at 20.7, so it would be an under, but it's technically nothing. And then finally, we'll close it out with Bryce Elder over under 27 and a half.
2: Oh, that's, that's an over I could get behind, just because I think we're going to get depth from him in the game, and then also just because of the way that uh, we get some of the scoring working, where you get points for the win, you get points for the quality start. And I do think that the Braves are fairly likely to win this game, which it kind of feels to me that's almost like a cheaper way to bet on the Braves winning. Because if you're getting that six point win bonus from Bryce Elder, you know, it's it's pretty likely that you're getting to the 27 and a half fantasy points. So not only would I take Bryce Elder there, I think he probably makes sense to combine with some Braves hitters and you get a little bit of correlation there. So I could I could back the over for 27 and a half for Bryce Elder. Of all the things we've talked about, that's the one I feel best about. I completely agree. So go check out prize Picks, everybody. Very easy. Click that link in the description.
0: Now we go Blue Jays and Yankees. Four run implied total for the Jays, 3.8 for the Yanks, Kevin Gossman, and Luis Severino. Gossman is the most expensive pitcher here at 10,300. Severino, not all that far behind at 10K flat. I'm not having much issue getting to Gossman. I think he's very clearly the pitcher with the highest ceiling on today's slate. I completely agree with our top stack odds. He's projected for 50% ownership. I've got slightly more than that at 59. I don't think there's a lot of talking points here for Gossman, other than the fact that he's just facing the Yankees and like that's not exactly a fun time, but he's the best guy on the slate today.
2: Yeah, he's he's certainly the best pitcher on the slate. I mean, in terms of actual pitcher, I guess you can make an argument that Severino's better. We're gonna talk about him in a second, but we legitimately don't know what Severino's pitch count is gonna look like. So if you told me just which pitcher is going to score the most fantasy points, and that was the only question, which pitcher scores the most. Gaussman is such a no-brainer choice. And those points are going to matter so much more than anything else today because they're going to be kind of hard to come by a pitcher. So obviously the matchup against the Yankees sucks. It's a really hard one. But at the same time too, I don't really know where else we're going at our pitching today. He's the payup option I think we should feel best about. It's him or Severino as the 2 payup options we have to choose for on DK. And it's Gaussman if for no reason other than that, he doesn't have a pitch count. Severino does.
0: Yeah, so I gave Severino four and two-thirds innings. He came out of my top pitcher tool at 24% likely to be a top two. We have it at 27, so I feel pretty good about where I came in there. 23% ownership for Severino at 10K up against the Blue Jays. I'm lighter here. I've got 14%. So I'm basically taking what would have gotten me to neutral on the field for Severino and just kind of giving that to Gossman. I just think he looks a little bit better. I just don't
2: trust the depth for Severino, and it's not like he's getting a good spot either. And there's no reason for, him. Mean, we could just talk about Severino now as well. There's no reason for the Yankees to push him to go longer. We know right. about Severino's injury history, elbow injury, shoulder injury. He also had the Achilles injury last year, so he didn't pitch. And now when you consider that he just missed a lot of time with an injury, the Yankees are already locked into a playoff spot. They have a big lead in the AL East now. What, what are you pushing him for? Right. At most, five innings. Today. Unless he's crazy efficient with his pitch count. He's getting like, you know, two, three pitch at-bats. I think the Yankees are probably holding him to around five innings. But like you said, even less than that is probably in play here. So Severino, just in terms of talent, yeah, absolutely. you look at him and be like, well, look at all the other pitchers on the slate. I want to get to Severino. But when I ran my crunches, I got to Gausman more. I got to Bryce Eldermore, I got to Contreras more. And then Severino and uh, somebody else who I think it seems like you and I are on the same page with. I'm fairly close with in Severino and the crunch I ran before. But yeah, I just have to prioritize other pitchers over Severino because I don't think the I don't think he's going to be working very many in innings. Do you want to prioritize either side of this game from an offense perspective? Obviously, we know
0: the upside just on paper of Blue Jays bats, of Yankees bats. There's so much power here, but we've got the Yankees 6th in top stack, 6th in ownership. We've got the Blue Jays 7th in top stack, 8th in ownership. Not a lot of love coming in here. I'm not getting to much of it either. I don't like the way that feels, just given how good these two teams are. Do you expect to get to Toronto or New York?
2: Uh, the Yankees, yes. I do think this is a team to get to for a couple of reasons. Number one is the, the overall over ownership that we have on Gaussman, And the Yankees coming in fairly low owned on a four-game slate, even on large slates. If the Yankees were only 6% owned, it's probably a number I want to get to on like a seven or eight-game slate. So just the fact that you're getting an offense that's this talented with this much firepower in it, and then something else to consider, too, about the Yankees offense and the ownership lately, almost all that goes to Aaron Judge, and he is somebody that really carries the weight of that team's ownership. So even that current aggregate ownership doesn't really do a, uh, a good job of representing how low owned the Yankees are, because Aaron Judge is projected for 16% ownership and everybody else is low owned. So all of that Yankees ownership is being carried by judge five-man stacks here. Look like they're going to be close to unowned in tournaments. So I was hoping that I would get a little bit more judge. He showed up in
0: two of my 150, which I hate because (laughs) it's Aaron judge and doesn't feel good. But at the same time, you do, you do have Kevin Gossman on the opposite side. I'm getting to more of the blue Jays actually, but not really as five mans, just as filler Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Kirk, uh, a little bit, but Not showing up at all as a five-man stack. I do have 7% aggregate Blue Jays, but that's just showing up as, at best, a three-man, maybe some two-mans or individuals. The Yankees I have even less of uh, against Kevin Gossman. That's going to happen when 59% of my lineups have Kevin Gossman in it. So I am light on the offense here, but this would not be one I would want to sweat because you're just cheering against like really good hitters.
2: Yeah, so uh, looking at the ownership in the crunch that I ran, which is the initial crunch, you know things could change when we get ownership later on in the day and whatnot. But I actually ended up underweight to Judge and overweight to every other hitter in the Yankees lineup, which is surely what you want your lineups to look like. Yeah. But that'll happen when Judge is sixteen percent owned and the rest of the team is like four percent owned. As for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I ended up more neutral to them looking at it. Just a lot of guys that are in like 3%, 4 5% of lineups, which is where a lot of these guys are. 5% Springer, 5% Vlad, uh, 5% Denny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, also 5% on. So that's more or less where I landed on these guys also over the course of 150 lineups. It's a really low priority team. And the main reason being is not only is it a tough spot against Luis Severino, but Severino himself isn't popular. So we're not really getting any leverage there. Is there anything else you want to touch on in this one, Jays or Yankees? Not really. Uh, the, the one thing I would say is just just look out for any beat reporters that might give us a definitive pitch count on Severino because if we are to find out that he's allowed to throw you know, 85 or 90 pitches, that would not only change the outlook of this individual game but the entire slate.
0: One game left to go before we get to that one, though. i got to tell you guys about Primetime. That is the promo code that's going to be good through September 29th. You can get our Stochastic Plus NFL tools for showdown and single game slates for just $1 using that code Primetime. That's going to be the projections and ownership, our top plays, the lineup builder, our Discord, all that stuff for our single game and showdown content in the NFL. You can see it on the screen right now one single solitary dollar of the Stochastic Plus NFL tools for the really fun, like ignoring what games are actually on showdown slates are fun to play. You know, you get in, you get out, everybody's sweating at the same time. You don't have to wait for other games to catch up. It's all good. Go ahead. Check it out. Primetime is the promo code.
2: Yeah, and I know we have a lot of people here that just absolutely destroy on showdown slates. Like, Neil Orfield's success in showdowns, stuff, like, is unfathomable to, to me. Like, every there. month, six weeks, he has, like, a six-figure win, and I know that he relies really heavily on uh, our projections, our ownership, our single-game uh, tool, which. I actually do think is one of the more valuable pieces of content we have on the site or tools that we have yeah. just where it shows based on the projections, Alex runs or the simulations, Alex runs the odds of each individual player to be the top scoring, the odds of them being the optimal captain slash MVP, depending on whether you're playing on DK or FanDuel. And I, I do find that to be really valuable building lineups. You and
0: me both. I love all of our like top, whatever tools, whether that's stacks, pitchers, top plays for showdown or single game, the top golfers, top five, like, that's that's my go-to spot for everything that we have. We get a, get basically every piece of information that I want in one spot.
2: Yeah, no, same for me. Those are those are the tools I use the, I use the most. And by the way, people come on the, uh, like the, I'm doing the show with Neil the other day and people are like, oh, you guys are talking about these tools. You're just shilling whatever. It's like, I mean, I guess you could look at it that way, but it's also what I use to build my lineups. Like yeah. we're talking about baseball shows. I reference the top stacks to a lot because I've had a really good baseball year this year. And I wouldn't really know how to set exposures to individual teams if I wasn't looking at this. There you go. We're
0: going to close it out here. Red Sox and Orioles five run implied total for the Sox 4.6 for the Orioles Connor Seabold and Jordan Lyles. If Adam were on this one, he would probably be going crazy about how good Jordan Lyles is. And honestly at 3% owned on a four game slate, I do think that he is undervalued today. I just don't think he's all that interesting because I would rather get to the flat 5k Connor Seabold on the opposite side. Uh, He's not anything special, and I don't think he's going crazy deep in this game, but he's projected for 13% ownership at this particular moment, and he's basically free on this slate, and that's what's a little bit more interesting to me. I've got him projected ahead of Corey Abbott. I've got him projected ahead of Chase Anderson, so he becomes my floor. Do I like Connor Seabold? No, not at all, but he is the guy that I'm looking to get to because I think it allows me to do a lot more at the hitting spot. What are you doing with Seabold?
2: I like him, and there's nothing I could say that's all that positive about Connor Siebel. His results this year have been really poor. So his numbers this year, he has a 10.47 ERA, a 4.86 expected ERA, and a 5.87 fit. But this is a small slate. There's only four games, and the Orioles are currently the number one most negative leverage offense in the top stack tool, which means a couple of things. I'm going to be underweight to the field to the Orioles because I think they're going overowned. And what has to happen for the Orioles to fail? Well, Connor Seaball can't suck. He has to be somewhat decent. And at his low ownership, I don't think he's a bad leverage play in tournaments. I actually kind of think the same about Jordan Lyles. We'll talk about him in a second. But yeah, we're getting 13% ownership on Connor Seabold, And even though he has struggled, the one positive we could say about him, he generates strikeouts, over 20% K rate in the big leagues this year, in the minor leagues, 25% K rate. So this is a cheap pitcher. It's not like he's one of these cheap pitchers with 13, 14, 15% K rate. He gets swing and misses from time to time. And that is something where I think like, okay, if we could get him to be serviceable in this start, one of the most shocky offense in the Orioles is going to end up failing. And then also we get a spot with Connor Seabow where it's like, all right, we get 13, 14 fantasy points out of him. That's pretty good relative to the slate. So I do think he's a contrarian option to get to.
0: Yeah, um, and I'm using that negative leverage to the Orioles to my advantage as well. I'm not getting to the Orioles bats in any major way, which runs hand in hand with getting to see bold. So I like the way that that's setting up for me as well. Do you have anything you want to say about Jordan Lyles? Like I don't think he looks solid at 7,900 given our top pitchers tool and given his ownership. It's just, he's sort of properly priced on a slate
2: and like, that's just really not all that beneficial today. I got to 7% of them in the build I did, which I have is have than, yeah, it, I mean, it's 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 you know it's double the field relative to his ownership. So from that standpoint, he makes sense. And then also, like I'm going to be underweight to both the Orioles and the Red Sox based on what their current ownership is because we have these two teams projected for 22% for the Orioles, 20% for the Red Sox. It's the same ownership as the Braves are getting, but the Braves' top stacks odds are just considerably higher. It's like 1.5x what we're getting on the Red Sox and the Orioles at comparable ownership. So if I'm playing one of these popular teams, I'm going to gravitate towards the Braves far more frequently than the Red Sox doers. So I'm going to be underweight to the field on the Red Sox like the Orioles. I have to at least somewhat like the pitcher at no ownership. And Lyles, at least as of right now, is by far the lowest owned pitcher on the slate. I prefer Seaball because of the pricing difference between the two. And if you guys are playing you know, 20 lineups, you would have zero Jordan Lyles in there. I could say that pretty confidently. Like I said, a little bit overweight to him over the course of 150 in a build. Not that I'm really strongly advocating towards him, Uh, But if I had to pick one side, I I do, relative to ownership, prefer Lyles to the Red Sox offense.
0: Since we already sort of touched on it, let's just get to it now. Orioles are 17% to be top stack, 21.5% owned. Uh, They're looking a bit over-owned based on our top stack tool. And I am a little bit lighter on the Orioles than it's showing. And you don't get as much benefit of going to the Orioles because Seabold's not exactly soaking up a ton right. of ownership either. so I, I find the Orioles pretty easy to get away from, not that they're not good or anything. I just it, it seems like an easy fade for me
2: yeah it's It's a team where once again, relative to ownership, the two offense that would be lightest on, and this is relative to ownership. It is the Red Sox and the Orioles. That doesn't mean I think that the Nationals offense is a better play than the Red Sox or Orioles. Like I build out lineups. I do get to more of Boston and Baltimore. but Relative to ownership, they're teams that I would definitely be rooting against as of now. And on the opposite
0: side of this one and the opposite side of Jordan Lyles is the team that I want to get to a ton. That would be the Red Sox second in our top stack tool, third in ownership, slightly negatively leveraged. But at the same time, they also have Jordan Lyles on the opposite side. I am loading up on the Red Sox. They are one of the three teams that I'm getting aggressively along with the Braves. And I already forgot which team it was. The Pirates, I believe. I think it was the Pirates. Um uh, tons of red Sox up and down the line and i am more than okay with that the only parts i'm not getting a lot of are reese mcguire and yu chang if they are the eight and nine hitters in this one we don't, i don't know at this point but uh, i also don't want them all that much because they suck
2: yeah uh, jordan Lyles has been steady this year and when he, he is a little bit home run prone so if the red Sox do score runs it's probably going to be via homers but just because i do rely on our top stacks to like i was saying before they're negatively leveraged I'm going to be underweight to them. I'm going to be underweight to the Orioles as well, just relative to what their ownership is. And looking through Jordan Lyle's box score, he generally goes fairly deep into games and is at least serviceable. So he has made 30 starts this year, pretty late in the season. We've got a big sample size now. He's given up more than four runs five times out of 30 starts this year. And only one of those starts did he really get lit up. So he's fairly unlikely to have a good game. He's a 4.5 ERA this year, 4.39 FIP, 4.45 XFIP, but he has been fairly consistent. I just think there are worse starters to pick on today. Uh, When I ran my cash crunch, lots
0: of Boston, lots of the Orioles, Gunnar Henderson, Tristan Casas, uh, Devers, Rutschman, all showing up in tons and tons of combinations here. But we'll be able to dig in a little bit more from a cash perspective later. But this game has a monster run total. It should be no surprise to anyone that Red Sox and Orioles bats are showing up here from a cash perspective. Is there anything else you want to touch on for this slate before we get out of here? This is uh, a pretty cut and dry one, I think.
2: Yeah, it's about as comprehensively as we could cover this four-game slate. It's uh, If you guys don't like taking risks, this is probably not going to be the slate for you. If you like GPPs and you like taking risks, uh, you could play a lot of shitty, pitter, uh, shitty hitters, shitty pitchers, and get some good leverage on there. And uh, that's probably going to be one of the routes that I'm going down. But by far, the best offensive target, just to sum things up, are the Braves going up against Corey Abbott. That's the team we have, those, the best top stack odds by a pretty wide margin here. So Braves are going to be the primary team for me to build around. And then a pitcher, I'll just be doing some weird shit, playing some Connor Sebald and mixing them in with, you know, the the likes of Kevin Gassman and Ramsey Contreras.
0: Well, there we go, everybody. Another MLB show in the books. Thank you for joining us. A loyal 135 concurrent viewers, 50 likes. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done it yet. Again, uh adam and i will be up for an nfl recap show in about 10 minutes so make sure you're watching that one but plenty of content throughout the rest of the day mlb live before lock coming up later tonight good luck for everything thank you to prize picks we're out of here